0: Hey guys, welcome to the Power and Persistence podcast. I'm your host, Jessie Blois, business owner, mentor, self-care advocate, manifester, wife, and mama of two. This podcast is designed to make you feel seen and inspired. Join me for honest and raw conversations with successful women and purpose-driven entrepreneurs. We'll explore how they imperfectly, but persistently juggle career, family, and relationships, all while honoring their authentic selves. Let's dive in. I'm so excited you guys are here because I'm opening my doors to my one-on-one coaching program, Find Your Yes, because we all deserve to live a life that feels like a hell yes. Women are leaders, and leadership is found in entrepreneurship, leading teams within a business, volunteer organizations, your community, and at home with your family. Whether you're desiring to make a transformation into leadership or you want to up-level your skills to become a more effective leader, this program is for you. I've been leaning at work and at home for over a decade, and this is what I know. It wasn't until I did the inner work that I personally needed to do that my leadership skills really improved. And that's why I created the Find Your Yes program. So you don't have to do the inner work alone. As someone who has been there, I will guide you as we work through your shadows, heal past traumas, overcome self-limiting beliefs, and watch you transform from the inside out. So if you're ready to create a life that feels like a hell yes, Head over to wwwjessiebloicecom forward slash contact to book a call or head over to my Instagram at jessiebloys and send me a DM. I'm so excited to connect and to find your yes. Today I'm here with Megan Stoddard and this is going to be a fun one because I get to learn a lot. Megan is a professional coach who used to be a professional dancer and is now into coaching. She's been doing coaching for over nine years and you specialize in helping clients improve their lives through integration by design method, your integration by design method, which combines human design, subconscious reprogramming and somatic experiencing. And I, through my work, have a really good idea of what all of these methodologies are, but they're so interesting and they're so powerful. So I can't wait to get into them. But first of all, just thank you for being here, Megan, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is so fun.
0: Yeah, it's going to be so fun. So I want to get into your life because I know you have a beautiful, empowering story to tell. But let's dive first into what you do. And can you kind of talk to us about what is human design? What is subconscious reprogramming and somatic experiencing? And how you kind of weave it all together to work with your clients?
1: Yes, let's see how so how quick I can say it all.
0: Okay, yeah, like uh layman's That's term because yeah. I want to talk about how you got to this place as well.
1: Yeah, so human design, it's a methodology that combines a bunch of different practices. So like astrology, um, the Kabbalah tree of life, I Ching or I Ching, however you want to say it, uh, quantum, quantum energy, like gen- uh, epigenetics, that kind of stuff. So it takes all of these things and you find your human design, you pull your chart just like you would in astrology, you not your time, date, and location of birth, and then you discover your human design chart, which is a lot to look at when you first look at it. Yeah. Basically, like, when, like, yeah, what I remember when I first pulled mine up, I was like, what on earth are all of these numbers, these shapes, these colors, these words? Like, there was so much going on. Uh, People, I've had it done,
0: and it's it's so much more than just if you're looking at, like, what find am I? It's so complex, and there's so much to it, and it's pretty crazy how accurate it can be yeah
1: yeah yeah it never I mean I've been in my experiment with human design for like three years now I think and it's still it never will not blow my mind <laughs> I'm still like constantly unlearning like unlearning old patterns and learning new things it feels like the same lessons over and over again but on new levels every time I come back to them
0: yeah it's really cool I am. Um... I don't know if I've ever told a story on here, but when I graduated high school, I knew I wanted to go to school to learn how to do makeup. I really, really wanted to be a makeup artist. And my mom at the time had said that that's great, but first you're going to get a college degree and then go learn to do makeup. Well, life happens, so I go to school. I end up going to graduate school and then I go to work and years go by and in, in my career that I went to school for, but I'd never stopped loving makeup. And a few years ago, I was looking into human design and it says, like, what careers somebody, you know, with all of the things that make me up would want to do. And the very first thing was this person would love a career in the beauty interest industry, such as like a makeup, whatever they called it. But I was like, I fucking knew. I knew what I wanted (laughs) to do. And I still love it. And it still interests me. And I mean, Lesson is just follow your intuition. Cause mm-hmm. I at eighteen I knew what I wanted to do. And then it was it was just wild to see it in front of me that like this was real. I didn't make it up, you know? Yeah. It wasn't a Yes, absolutely. It wasn't just like in that moment.
1: It's not just a phase.
0: No, it wasn't just a phase. It's real. Now I have a Sephora addiction. Um <laughs> I do. It's real. Okay, subconscious reprogramming. And this is something that I'm very passionate about i constantly am working on myself um and i see there's so much power in this and this one's loaded right because you could do so much for reprogramming your subconscious so do you just pull from a bunch of
1: different techniques when you're doing this yeah pretty much so i'm certified i'm a master certified nlp practitioner time technique practitioner hypnotherapy all that stuff right yeah which lends to so many techniques and tools. So yeah, I do like in the moment, I very intuitively know which ones to use to help with certain kinds of patterns and deconditionings with my clients. So it's like we use human design as sort of the roadmap or the blueprint of the energy. And that's where we can kind of pinpoint where stuckness or limiting patterns, because what might be a limiting pattern for one person could be the high expression of somebody else's energy in a different part of their chart. So when we know what someone's human design is, we know whether something is serving them or whether they're just trying to replicate what somebody else is doing and it's actually harming them. And then so we use the subconscious reprogramming to shift it. Right. So
0: that, I mean, that goes back to like why it's so important to be who you are because we're all so uniquely different. And subconscious reprogramming, I mean, it really does allow us to break free from these limiting beliefs or these Mm -hmm. self-sabotaging patterns or these damaging cycles that are ingrained into us for our whole life. It's really getting in there and doing the work, but it's a lot of work. And I think some people might say it's woo-woo, right? Some of this stuff. Yeah,
1: which I think is so funny. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, because I'm also certified in um, NLP and hypnotherapy, and I've I've seen how powerful it can be for others, and I know for myself how powerful it can be. But I think those terminal, some of the terms people think of people on the stage clucking like a chicken, but it's not that. Yeah, at all. <laughs> it's not that at all, <laughs> no. and it is so, so powerful. Um. Okay, and somatic experiencing, this is one of my favorites because my son went through a really big health issue several years back, and we actually couldn't find care for him. I searched everywhere, and we ended up working with someone who was specifically trained for his condition in somatic touch and healed him through somatic touch. So I am a huge believer in the power of this. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. By the way, I'm so happy for you. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, So I started, in fact, my introduction to somatics is what Eventually led me to all of these other things as well. So this was like my tipping point essentially. So I studied dance in college and one of the required classes was somatics, is what it's called. And I ended up taking that class like three or four times, even though it was only required once because I was just obsessed with it. And so somatics, somatic experiencing, that's just the body experiencing things, like experiencing through things through the lens of your body. So whether that's experiencing and discovering mental patterns or physical patterns leading to mental patterns, right? Or because like, it's another thing that we know that the subconscious mind lives in the body, so mm-hmm. signals from the body can give us insight to what's happening inside of the subconscious mind. And so, there's there's again, there's lots of different modalities within the umbrella of somatics. I am specialized mostly in Bartinia, also a little bit of uh Laban and um Alexander technique. I haven't so heard of those techniques. techniques. Can you say them again? Yeah, so Bartinia is hi. Okay. my jam. That one is my favorite. There are six movement patterns, or the word is escaping me at the moment, but there's six patterns essentially that we use to explore. Like there's breath, there's the core distal, there's a head tail, there's body halves, there's upper lower. Like so, these things that where we can explore the different parts of ourselves through movement. So, like I could watch someone, I've done this with clients before where I will have them either live on a call with me or they'll record themselves just moving their body whether that's just walking around the room or like if they're feeling a little bit more confident like i'll have to do just turn on some music and just like do some like improv just move their body and i can see limiting patterns in their movement
0: it's crazy yeah um the body is so powerful and so i mean the brain and the gut are very connected i think that's pretty common knowledge now how connected the brain and our gut are and then one of the things that i think i've heard it a million times but someone said it to me more recently, and it just it it was that like final time that I needed to hear it for it to really resonate was the best way out of our mind is into our body. So really yeah. just getting into your body and feeling that movement. There's I mean, there's so many techniques and you can talk about them, but I'm really into shaking right now to release energy. Yeah. Um, but it really is so powerful. And then knowing what is happening in your brain, you said it, and it, it's so true by what we're experiencing inside of us. It's it's so connected. And there's just not enough attention put on the importance of being in our bodies and moving our bodies. And I don't mean just for exercise. I mean, for
1: no, just experiencing and being a part of it. Yeah, there's so many people who are so willing to write off their body, like, Oh, well, my body's just I'm just in a lot of pain right now. I don't know. It's fine. I'm just going to go do all the things anyways. But like, how do you do all the things without having a body? Or, you know, you hear about people talking about having an out-of-body experience, having all these spiritual experiences, but you can't have those without having a body. You can't have an out-of-body experience without having a body. Like you can't be anchored in this 3D world without a body. So why are we so quick to dismiss it?
0: Blows my mind. That's true. That's a really good point. I never even thought about that. Yeah. And it really does. I mean, moving your body and getting into your body in the right way really does change your, your vibration and how you're feeling. It really does take you out of that anxiety and overthinking and whatever is going on inside of you. Okay. So that's cool. So you started coaching nine years ago. Yeah. Okay. So, and I know in your story, you had a pretty traumatic event happened in 2020. So you started coaching before you went through a lot yourself. So I w- I want to explore that. Why Can you just give us um, just a little bit of background about, I guess, a little bit about your childhood, your professional dance career, and then what made you go into coaching? And then we'll explore. I really want to explore how you process through your own trauma as a coach.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I <laughs> So my childhood, honestly, like from the outside, looked super typical and very uneventful, very unexciting. Like it just I had a big family, lots of extended family around, um, very strong in my in the religion that I grew up in, that I'm still a part of today. Um, You know, went to school, had friends. Everything seemed pretty normal. I was the sixth of seven kids, you know, so just like everything seemed fine. And then it wasn't until later that I realized which the, so, so what happened was in 2020, I had a miscarriage and as I was going through that miscarriage, I was simultaneously going through, um, the master practitioner certification process. So I was in that week long intensive, literally as I was miscarrying. So because I had this massive support, I was so beautifully held Mm -hmm. as I went through this traumatic experience, Mm -hmm. my subconscious mind was it felt safe like my mind was like okay we're safe we're being held to process things let's bring up memories of some childhood trauma (laughs) (laughs)
0: while you're going through this let's just add to it
1: yeah exactly
0: (laughs) so what happened you just had memories that you didn't even know existed
1: yeah so it was it was so wild so what happened was so i was sexually abused as a child so i can't even remember exactly how old i want to say somewhere between eight and ten Okay. maybe like or maybe even for two years I don't even know it was an extended period but like I know that every once in a while in my life that memory would pop up and my I would just get immediately like confused about it. I'd be like that happened what do I I don't know what to do with this and then it would immediately disappear again so I when the memory that, would pop up
0: did you know that it was true and you had like the details or it was kind of like this fuzzy thing that you didn't know if it was real or not real
1: I knew that it was real. I okay. for sure knew that it was real, but I didn't really know that, that it was wrong. I didn't know what it meant. Okay. I didn't realize that it was like explicitly abuse. Okay. Right. Because like I mean,
0: I know we're not like, I don't want to go into too much detail, but just for the audience, it wasn't an adult. No, it was a friend. It was a friend that you were literally having playdates and sleepovers. Mm-hmm. So, and I know, I, I know these days and, you know, sleepovers are a hot topic are they okay? Should parents allow them? Um, And so, okay. So yeah. So just for the audience, this was a peer, this was a sleepover. This wasn't an unsafe adult that was in your life.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah. So when those memories came up, it's like, I knew that they happened. I didn't know that they were bad or wrong. I knew that they made me feel not okay, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that I needed to do anything about it until I was being held in this sacred supportive container and then all of a sudden like it was i think it was day one of this certification as i'm miscarrying that i was like um so i was sexually abused now what (laughs) so what
0: happened because was it just like it came to your mind and it was at this point where you just couldn't not give it the full attention
1: yep it like came full full force this like it was like full awareness it wasn't necessarily any more memories it was the same memories that came up it just was the awareness that increased. It was like just my field of vision, like subcon- like not even like vision isn't quite the right word, but just my awareness was like, oh, I have clarity now on what that was, what it means. And like now I can actually move on. I can actually get some healing and yeah, start to make progress on it because I'm being held and it's safe now to move through this. Okay, that's intense. And then at the same time, again, yeah.
0: you also have other children, so you're not—you're mm-hmm. also a mom. Yeah, you have a yeah, lot of my two at the time,
1: mm-hmm. and my
0: husband was in physical therapy school. Wow. So you guys, yeah. okay, so you have so much going on. So, what did that process look like? Did you immediately go into therapy? How did you work through your own trauma, knowing what you know as a coach, and knowing that you help so many other people work through trauma? What was your approach to yourself? Because it is very common that we aren't able to do for ourselves what we can do for others. And we can't give ourselves the same grace. We don't take our problems as seriously as we take somebody else's.
1: But what was your experience? So, yeah, it was it was a little bit of a spread out, drawn out process. Uh, and it was painful. I will yeah. start with that for sure. Yeah. Um, So I took that week and that was kind of my focus, like to first of all, get really good at being a master practitioner for others and then allowing others, whatever it was my turn to be practiced on or whatnot. That's what I brought up was this trauma that get the help right then and there to start processing it. So it was that and my miscarriage that I was getting help with that week. And then after that, many of us continued to do some trades for a few months just to continue solidifying our mastery of these skills. And so I continued receiving help from my colleagues that way for a little while and then it wasn't until so this was in october of 2020 oh my gosh, and and we're in a pandemic i mean on. okay
0: all right so the universe said like let's get it all out of the way but, <laughs> okay oh my god okay we're like the wow okay all right sorry that kind of just like october 2020 like we're in like you're stripping down taking your clothes off after you go to the grocery store pandemic that's yeah. where we were the
1: luckily pandemic. we were in a pretty small town so we weren't like majorly affected but definitely definitely still all the precautions and everything for sure
0: <sighs> okay that's traumatic <sighs> yeah enough okay so you're in this space you're working through it with other
1: practitioners mm-hmm So did you not just have one coach? No, not at that point. Because again, I was still working on building my own practice. Our finances were not to the point where I was comfortable hiring anyone yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I just did a lot of trades with people and it It honestly was great because I was, I knew all of these women Mm -hmm. and so I felt very held and supported and like they were all there at the beginning with me. So even to this day, like I will still have conversations with these women about the progress that I've made and like how much they've helped me and how I've been able to help them back. So it's been, it, that's been, it was a really good way to get started for where I was in my life. And even then it still took me several months to be able to like, so I told my husband, obviously he was there with me, supporting me through all of that. And then it still took me months months to be able to bring it up to like. My mom, who was again one of, also one of my best friends, and I didn't go start going to therapy until I believe it was July the following year, either July or August. I'm pretty sure it was July.
0: Was that so, also financial, or you just weren't ready? I just wasn't it?
1: ready. I just still was grappling with it all, and I, to be honest, a lot of that was fear. I was afraid to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Cause I had heard I, I was so torn because I love coaching and I didn't want to just go through talk therapy. It's like, I don't want to just go talk about it. I want to actually like move through it. Yeah. Yeah. So it took me a while and I wish I had shopped around a little bit more for a therapist that I fit with better. Cause I had a good therapist, one that I finally found she was good. But again, it was more just talk therapy. And I was like, I, I know that I am, I'm already well aware of the things consciously. Yeah. I want to get into the meat of it. I want to actually move through how it's playing out in my life now. Yeah, no, I understand that. I've done a
0: ton of therapy in my life and I think therapy is beautiful and it has a lot, there's a lot for therapy, but I I too have gotten to the point in my life where I'm like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I want I want to move. I want to work on my subconscious. I want to reprogram. I want to get in my body. Kind of like that next step for me. So I understand what you're saying. There's just beauty in both and you need to do which one. Yeah. That's for you. And also finding the right therapist is key. And I think that's what's so hard is a lot of people try therapy. It's not the right fit. And then they decide they don't like therapy, but it's so important to, to really search out finding the right therapist.
1: Yes. In fact, I had a terrible experience with a therapist back in college because I had been, I had self-diagnosed with depression my freshman year of college. I had been dealing with this melancholy, this numbness, since high school and I didn't understand why. Now I know why, obviously. yeah. But then eventually one of my roommates, she was regularly going to therapy and I thought that was great. So I was like, okay, well, I'll give it a try. I went on campus because again, I don't know why I'm feeling these things, right? Right. One the therapist, all she did was ask me about my family history and then kind of giggled at me and told me that I didn't have depression and that I just needed to probably like, you know, get more sleep, which I literally took a nap every day, slept as many hours as i could. sleep was not the problem because you had so depression yeah because... i had ptsd yeah but so did it... Didn't have it and it was like awful so i never went back to therapy that was another reason i think why i avoided therapy for so long because you have negative experience yeah i mean absolutely
0: so when you got diagnosed with ptsd then from this experience mm-hmm. yeah did that impact your healing journey it did in the very best way Can you explain what that, how it
1: did? Absolutely. Because again, so there was that one therapist in college. And then after that, so there are many ways that my PTSD has physically manifested in my body. Struggling to breathe. Like it's still something which I actually know correlates with my human design as well, where I'm very conditioned. I struggle to get a full breath of air. And I have gone to doctors and they have seen that my lung capacity is not what it should be for my health. Because like I'm very physically fit. I take care of myself. I'm in my, you know, early 30s. I should be able to breathe, right? But they yeah. can never figure out why. So it was all, it all boiled up to like, well, I don't know. Sorry. We don't, we, you seem fine. But like, I wasn't fine. Right. And then, same thing with my hip, problems started to be manifested in my left hip, um, like my senior year of college, which again, I'm a dancer. Like, I I, I use my hips. <laughs> well, and you have to breathe. You have to learn to breathe as a dancer. And that's why I realized that I don't have great breath because there was so much focus on it. And my teachers, my teachers, my fellow students could all see, they could see in my body where these things were stuck. But doctors could not figure it out. For years, I went to physical therapy for my hip. I got MRIs and x-rays and got cortisone shots, all these things. No one could figure out what was wrong with me until I finally went into surgery. They kind of had an idea of what might be wrong. So I had surgery on my left hip at age 27 and they finally figured out I had this super, super rare thing. they don't know what causes it. They don't know if it'll come back. It's very like the doctor I went to, he exclusively does hip surgeries and he sees this maybe once a year. Wow. And And so so I had this history of being told like, well, everything seems fine. So just keep going about your life. But I knew something was wrong. So when I got that diagnosis of PTSD, it was like that was the moment that I was heard and validated.
0: Oh, and that's so important. That's all we all want is to be heard and validated. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Was that the therapist that did that for you? Did you go to a mm-hmm. yep. yeah? So then, what what approach did you take after that? How did you start working through the PTSD?
1: A simultaneous approach between therapy and then I I had therapy for a few months until we moved away from that state to where we are now, and then also self coaching. I did a lot of self coaching, and then also I've ha- I've had a couple of business coaches who also do like NLP and like life coaching. they also helped me move through this stuff as well so combination for sure was it did it get dark for you for a while before it got better my gosh uh 2022 was my dark night of the soul okay it was for the whole year it took a while yeah so okay so this happened so I had the miscarriage in October 2020 started therapy summer of 2021 and all this time we're trying to get pregnant again right so struggling with that which yeah that was the other thing too was i got pregnant with our two oldest like that my mom called me turtle myrtle like we decided we wanted to be pregnant boom i was pregnant yeah and then it took a while to get pregnant with the baby that i lost which was confusing
0: yeah
1: it was confusing to take a while lost that baby and then it took about a year to get pregnant with my baby with our rainbow baby that we have now who's napping he is napping he is there he is beautiful he is such a happy boy and i love him But so the moment I got pregnant with him began this like, that's when it started really. So it was like October, November, somewhere in there that I got pregnant with him. And it was a rough pregnancy. Like I just was so miserably sick all the time. I was in physical pain all the time. And then also at that point, we were starting to prepare to move like 1300 miles across the country. For a job? Was it your husband? Well, kind of. Yeah. So he was going to be, he was getting to, he was in his last year of physical therapy school. And he had two more clinical rotations to do. So we were in Missouri and we were coming out back west. We were moving back to my hometown where we knew he was going to get a job. And this is just where we're settled. This is where we're going to live for the rest of our lives. And we also knew that we wanted me to be here with our girls and my miserably pregnant self to be close to my family while he's off finishing his last couple of rotations. I had to solo parent while miserably pregnant while he was off. He was usually able to come home on the weekends. But that year, like... It was a year of me learning how to ask for and receive help, which was, uh, I, I still get like, oh, it's so deeply uncomfortable to not be able to do all the things that I think I should be able to do. And that all of these, like, my, I don't know what it is, my second child is here to teach me so many things. I was constantly triggered by her. Still, sometimes it still comes up. I'm like, ah, yeah. Totally, what do I do learn here? Yeah.
0: I, I, I'm, after talking, I'm thinking like I can relate to so much of what you're saying. I had an experience been about two and a half months ago now where a lot happened in my life that kind of just stopped me in my tracks. And it really made me do, first, I felt like everything fell apart, and like nothing was ever going to be the same. And then it made me really just, I'm a controller. I'm a doer. As long as I'm doing and I have like a grip on the situation, I feel safe. And it made me really know, like I have to stop. I have to, because I have no idea what I'm doing right now. And by stopping, I uh, I'm I'm working on my big mission right now is just releasing control and trusting the process, which makes me feel super unsafe, right? So I need to find mm-hmm. the safety and that. But it feels it feels exciting, but it feels dark. And I um just the other day was thinking, oh my God, I've been doing this for so long. Like, I still don't have some answers. Like, this is like, should I have answers at now? And I thought, oh my God, wait, when did this start? And I was like, oh, two and a half months ago. It's been two and a half months. And I was like, it's been nine months. I don't know what I should know. But when you, so when you were saying like 2022, like it really is like a year, right? Like you really, it takes so much time to heal.
1: Yeah, and like, cause you go into burnout, because you've been yeah. in a fight or flight for so long, you don't even realize it. So then when you finally get to that place of like, oh, I need to actually recover, then your body's like, okay, cool. Shut everything down.
0: <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, as a parent, I'm a business owner too. It's like, I need to do all these things for me. But it's like, nah, like, <laughs> I have to keep showing up. I have to keep showing up. But then it's like the little things like I realized yesterday, I didn't get my kids supplies for school. I thought I pre-purchased them. I thought they were going to arrive. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Somehow I didn't press the checkout button. And it was in that moment, I lost it. Megan, like I lost it over school supplies. Because it was just, you know, it's that it's that burnout where you're just like, I failed. Yeah. Like kids don't have what they need. They're at school. It's not with anything that they need right now. And there's so many things that we're always doing as business owners as moms as human beings trying to take care of ourselves so it just takes that little push to just completely lose control because we're not or lose not control but fall apart because healing really takes so much energy Mm -hmm. that it depletes you from energy that you need in other aspects of our lives but we don't have the luxury of just saying come back in a year guys I'm going to check out. Yeah, it's it's heavy. So what did the year look like for you? Was it more therapy? Was it more self-coaching? Was it a lot of getting into your body? Was it a lot of doing nothing?
1: A lot of all that. So one thing is I had to say goodbye to my therapist when I moved because she can only practice in Missouri. And then I literally, I just, I didn't have the capacity to do anything beyond the bare minimum. So I never found another therapist, never got around to doing that. It was a lot of letting my family help take care of me, like my mom and my sisters-in-law. And, um, like my mom would come take the girls for a day so that I could okay. just weep on the couch, <laughs> I'm all miserably pregnant, you know? Um, it was a lot of just letting the house be a mess, which that that's always been very triggering for me is having a messy house. Like I mm-hmm. yell and scream, like, and, no and
0: she, no no oh yeah no I. I just i need it for my mental calm. a messy house is just chaos in my brain yeah it's an ongoing yep. struggle in our household
1: yeah yes same and so i had to learn to have a balance between just letting it be a mess and finding like areas like okay i can clean off the couch and i can have a clean couch and i can sit on the couch and only look at the couch and let this be my sanctuary for a minute OK, like it came down to just finding the little things because I knew I couldn't. T- I mean, the house that we had moved into was the biggest place we had ever lived, which means it was a bigger mess because there was more places for things to go, you know? Yeah. So it was a lot of letting my. Oh, and my mom would come over a lot of the time and try to help me. Like she would do my dishes for me. She would bring me dinner or invite us over like me and the girls She would invite us over to have dinner at their house. Because, again, my husband wasn't around. We I did a lot of dinner a lot for me and the girls was popcorn movie dinner night or running out and buying Little Caesars or nachos, like just putting some cheese on top of some chips. And like, it was just survival mode as much as possible because not only was I growing a human being, but I was also growing scars over these open wounds.
0: Oh, it's a heartbreaking analogy. When you are in survival mode and you're doing a popcorn dinner night or Little Caesars, because I mean- here, I mean, we always are making parenting choices in the moment that sometimes we just have to make. Did you give yourself grace or did you also add guilt
1: on uh, your pile? Both, for sure. It kept going back and forth. There would be moments where I could just breathe and be like, this is not the life that I want right now. And it's the best that I can have. And I know it's I always knew I always knew it was not going to be forever, even though it felt like it. I think part of it helped that this was my not my first pregnancy. I knew because the first time I was pregnant, I was like, this is forever. I am going to be huge and I'm comfortable forever. <laughs> so I know I knew in that moment, like nothing is permanent. That was actually one of the mantras that helped me the most. Nothing is permanent. Nothing lasts forever. I, this will end at some point. I don't know how. I don't know when. Yeah. But I know that it will. So right now, this can be enough. And I know that I'm doing my best because that's something that we know about the subconscious mind is we are literally always doing our best and we cannot expect ourselves to do more than our best. And so that mantra right there helped me in moments of giving myself grace. But there were always, of course, moments when I literally like I just beat myself up. Usually it was over how I handled parenting. Like I would I would yell. I yelled so much that year. And I again, the grace that I would come back to was remembering that children can be resilient. And as long as I always came back and apologized, Yeah. And let them know, like, hey, that was not okay. You did not deserve that treatment. You didn't have to deserve. It had nothing to do with you. I'm trying to do better. You know what? And I think
0: there's a lot of beauty in that. I too have a hit so many moments where I don't parent the way I intend to parent or I want to parent, right? There's a lot of things we bring from other parts of our life and we bring forward, but I think there's so much importance in, not that I want those parenting moments to happen that way, but I think it's such a beautiful lesson for our children that it is okay to mess up. But you need to take ownership for it, right? Let's yes. not put the blame on others. Let's not be the victim. Let's not pretend that we didn't act the way we acted. Let's not ignore that we hurt you. Let me come mm-hmm. forward and say, Mommy messed up. This is what mommy wanted to do. This is what I did. And I'm so sorry and I'm going to do better. And let them see the beauty in being a human and making mistakes. Because mm-hmm. I do. I so, and I talk to my children about this a lot. If you do something that isn't your you know, your best or you messed up or you do something that hurts somebody else, you need to say, I did it and I apologize and here's what I'll do in the future instead of like, well, they did this or I didn't do that. Like, we're not going to lie. We're not going to, I don't use this word, but like, we're not going to gaslight. We're not going to mm-hmm. make that other person feel bad for our emotions. Um, so I, I, at least in those moments where I feel like I am fucking up as a parent. I can then turn it around and be like, but look how we can handle moments that we're not proud of. Yes. That's exactly it. There is that teachable moment. I, in fact I had one my daughter was at from one to two thirty last night and I was raging, raging. A whole other thing we're dealing with right now. But yeah, there was just like no getting through to her, no helping her and in those moments. And I just saw red you know, Mm -hmm. it's middle of the night or not functioning. And then this morning I had to step back and be like, well, that wasn't really like my best mom moment. Like she clearly needed something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to be a parent and self-reflecting and healing and doing all the things. But the other option is to not self-reflect and heal, which Mm -hmm. that's just not a good option.
1: Right. I was actually just thinking about that yesterday. I heard someone, I don't even remember what podcast it was, i was listening to someone else's podcast where they said sometimes i envy people who don't have that kind of self-awareness people who just like bumble around in life and just do the things and don't even think about their self-awareness like i don't envy them i don't i really like the self-awareness i would rather go through the challenges and expand and become more and just it just feels more juicy like i geek out over expansion and like i want to see what else there is i want to see what other lenses i can experience life through What this is a playground. Let's play. Yeah.
0: So I, I mean, I awesome. can see the beauty and like, it, it's kind of like an ignorance is blessed situation, right? What that person's alluding to. It sure. does feel in that moment, peaceful, but just because you're not self-reflecting,
1: it doesn't mean that shit's not living in you. Right. That's exactly like I think about the version of being in high school. Like, yeah, I was struggling. I just wasn't aware of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's still there, whether you're acknowledging it or not. So it really is by getting in there and doing the hard work that we can evolve into better versions of ourselves. And then, you know, once we're a better version of ourselves, we're we're a better parent, we're a better partner, we're a better friend. Um, But it is, it is, it's a lot of work. And it's kind of wild to me that even before you went on this deep dive into your own past and your own healing, you decided to transition from dancing to coaching. Mm. Like you knew you wanted what made you decide you wanted to work and help others?
1: So it was like a, it was a very cha-cha kind of an experience. So a little bit of the timeline, I'll just give a quick little timeline. So I had graduated college and moved away. And I just found like a I was just a registrar at a hospital for a while while I was looking for other dance opportunities. Cause I mean, finding opportunities as a dancer, yeah, it's like the starting artist thing, like it's, it's hard. Yeah. Um, but then eventually I found a company to audition for. I auditioned, I got accepted and then I met my husband. Well, actually I had met my husband before, but then we got engaged and I moved away before, before audition or before rehearsals even started. So oh. that happened. But then I moved away and we moved back cause he was still in school. So we moved back to the town where I had gotten my degree and suddenly dancing opportunities came up again, but it wasn't the same. I got on a different company, which was wonderful but I wasn't dancing 24 seven anymore. Like I was in college and in college, I was dancing eight to 10 hours a day, like literally moving my body all day long in a way that I just love, 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 love. So I was dancing like maybe five hours a week at this point. And I just, I needed something more that was more fulfilling. Cause again, I went back to another desk job, a job that I had in college, being on phones, um, doing customer service stuff. Like, Oh, I was awful. I hated that job. It sucked down my soul. I called in sick as often as I could because I just was not doing well (laughs) yeah um and so i actually initially started my coaching as a health coach health and fitness coach okay and started there and i liked it because again it was the physical body so it was movement it was exercise health right i don't care i don't i never cared about helping people achieve a certain amount of weight loss but that was what i always attracted because i always had really good physical transformations i always lost the baby weight pretty quickly after having babies I was able to get six pack abs pretty easily. You know, like I'm one of those obnoxious people who just makes fitness look easy because I'm- Yeah, I'm so it's fun. pretty obnoxious. Thank you for acknowledging it's obnoxious. Yep, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I I also acknowledge part of that is my human design. When I When there's something that I enjoy doing, I can master it really easily. Like I can just pick up on skills and master them without having to think about it very much, without having to, yeah, it doesn't feel like hard work for me. It just comes to me because I right. enjoy doing it. And once again, and I used to downplay a lot of my talents because of that, because I was like, well, I don't want to make other people feel bad because they're not picking up on it as easily as me. But like, no, I own it now. I just know that one of my skills is using my physical body. I always geek out on watching transformations. Like, well, if I do this program, my body composition is going to look like this kind of What happens if I go do this kind of thing instead? Like, right recently in the last year, I've gotten really into running. Weird. I don't know. I never thought I would be that person. But like, Again, it's just fascinating to me to watch the evolution, but people would always come to me looking for like, I want to lose 30 pounds. Like, kid, that's great. But like, why? Why do you want to lose 30 pounds? What's going on behind the scenes? What's going on in your home life? Like I wanted to get into all of that stuff. And most people didn't care about that. So right. like, that's when I have transitioned into life coaching. So like, I mean, yes, I am very passionate about the health stuff, but like that's not going to play out unless you're also willing to look internally. And so that's why
0: oh, what I was the same say do you feel like, I mean, obviously, but I believe this too, that some that weight isn't necessarily going to come off if the inner work isn't being done. And I feel like I've always, I'm the opposite of you. I've always struggled with my weight and even, I, you know, I want to tell my story, but like, I don't even want to put that into the universe anymore because it's such a limiting belief. But no matter, I've worked with coaches and I've worked with nutritionists and I've counted programs and I've worked out five days a week and I've done all the things and people would be like, It's just not happening for you the way it's supposed to. Like, go get your blood work done. Go do this. Mm -hmm. And I really do, like, from all the work I've done and the certifications I've gone through, it's, I think it's my brain. I really do. And it's still, you know, there's a lot of trauma and shit from my childhood that there was a lot of emphasis put on my weight and how I look. So there's a lot of things to peel Mm -hmm. back in that regard. But I really do feel that once I really can free up that part of me, which I'm still working on, I think that is where the sweet spot is because our brain and our body are so connected.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly that. And that's one of the reasons why I used to not market myself as like someone who helps people with their physical health because I knew that once we started working on the inner stuff, it would play out in their physical health naturally. Like I've actually recently started offering free um, human design health audits where They fill out this questionnaire and I can pinpoint to them, oh, this, if you start taking this kind of approach instead, it's going to balance out your hormones. If you start releasing this need, it will help improve your heart health. Or I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's cut out. Yeah, do it. No, I I need to do that for you. It's awesome.
0: It's a beautiful approach and I think there's not enough attention paid to how much it is really all connected and how much freedom does come with working through certain parts of who we are to get to where we want to be. It's like someone said, you know, how do I be this type of leader? How do I be this type of parent? It
1: you work on you. Yes, you can't follow somebody else's approach. You can't just follow that 21 day fitness program and expect to have the exact same results as the creator. They right. created that because they found what works for them. So exactly. that doesn't mean you can just copy and paste it.
0: Right. And if you are going to copy and paste it, you're going to copy and paste it from your own internal mishegas. That's my Yiddish word for crazy. And it's, it's just not going to work the same. You're going to implement it from an inauthentic place. And it's not going to have the same power that it could. Okay. I see your littles. I'm going to let you go. And I am so grateful that you came on and shared your story. People can go into the show notes to find out how to contact you and reach out to you. I know I'm going to go on and do that audit. So I'm excited about that. And just thank you, Megan. Thank you for coming on and thank you for sharing your story. And I'm so happy to see that you're in such a good place. Thank
1: you so much. I am so honored to have been on here. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Bye, Megan. Bye.
0: Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please rate, review, and follow along on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find out more about me at www.jesseboyce.com and follow along at Facebook at Jesse Boyce or on Instagram at at Jesse Boyce. See you again next week with another great episode.